This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Cheeseheads. Cheese Get on your feet. It's curd and law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Welcome in another edition of Curd and Long. Steve Sparky Fiverr with you here on uh, New Year's Day 2024, uh, early, early, uh, 1243 in the morning, I guess it would be a New Year's Day uh, recording this bad boy uh, here as uh, the Packers get the victory over the Minnesota Vikings 33 to 10 on Sunday Night Football on New Year's Eve. Jordan Love leads the way 256 yards. Three touchdowns through the air, one touchdown on the ground, four overall, no interceptions, no turnovers for Jordan Love in this one. Uh, and lots to get into concerning this game. No Ryan Horvat tonight. I texted him. I'm assuming uh, he was either sleeping or otherwise. Uh, so we will catch back up with Ryan Horvat on Wednesday. However, uh, lots to talk about in this game. Number one, and first and foremost, uh, the Green Bay Packers now eight and eight with a chance to go to the playoffs. Now, the nice thing here is. Um, yes, if they beat the Chicago Bears next Sunday, uh, they are in the playoffs. Uh, the other thing uh, to keep track of here uh, is there's something else going on. And the fact that they might be in the playoffs before they even kick off at 325 uh, coming up on Sunday. Because uh, if the Lions win and they beat the Vikings, which I think is very possible because the Lions still have something to play for. Uh, so they very well uh, should beat the Vikings, I would think, at the end of the day. Uh, and then. Uh, if the Arizona Cardinals, who just just beat Philadelphia, uh, if they somehow manage to beat Seattle, if those two things happen before the Packers kick off at 325, that Packer-Bear game means absolutely nothing whatsoever at 325 in Lambeau Field uh, next Sunday. So they may clinch a playoff berth, uh, a wild card berth, the Packers may, before they even play that game against the Bears next Sunday afternoon. So I'm uh, hoping that's what happens. Uh, that would take a whole bunch of pressure off. Uh, but going into this game, you know, we brought this up with Chad Ryder of NFL.com last week, senior NFL draft analyst 
uh, for NFL.com. And it's been a part of WSSP and all the different shows on our stations for over the years. Uh, we talked about this. Uh, in fact, that two things. One, Jordan loved getting to see a team a second time. Uh, we saw what happened when he got to see the Lions a second time. He covered them up. Uh, and now he gets to see a Vikings team a second time. And he carved them up again. Uh, so that is obviously a big time positive uh, as far as him being able to kind of uh, take in the information of what happened to him the first time, put that back into play the second time and know how to attack a defense he's already seen once. That is a good thing. Now, the other thing that we talked about going into this game was the fact that there was going to be some pressure really for the first time on this Packers football team and this young Packers offense. And how would they come out and play. And that first series, they wanted the ball first and it wasn't pretty. They, they punted the ball right away. Then the Vikings get the ball uh, and they end up going one, two, three punt. Now when the Vikings punted right away, I, I got very excited because I was like, okay, well, this is a good sign. That's one punt. I wasn't sure they would even get two or three punts in this game out of that Vikings offense. Uh, because again, uh, you know, that quarterback could run. Uh, and the kid from BYU could run, and that was going to be a concern coming into this thing. Their running game obviously was going to be a concern. Jefferson Addison was going to play. I really thought the Vikings were going to score a ton of points against this Packers team coming in because, again, it's a Joel Berry-coordinated defense. So, of course, I think everybody thought that was going to occur. But then that second series, Jordan Love and the Packers settled in, and they were off to the races. And every time they had the ball after that, they seemingly marched the ball right down the field uh, with a little type of um, – uh, defense, I guess you could say, by the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, and it was pointed out by Collinsworth on the team. Pretty much, Jordan Love had the answer for whatever the Vikings wanted to do defensively. He knew what was happening you know, pretty much before he snapped the ball and knew where the ball was supposed to go. Now, maybe he missed through once or twice, right? And wasn't the most accurate on a couple of throws. But for the most part, he knew the answers to the test. And when you know the answers to the test, that makes things a lot easier. Uh, and when your receivers are playing well, and not dropping balls left and right, that makes it an easy job too. At one point there, uh, they on a fourth down play, instead of just taking the three points, which is what I was hoping they were going to do, they went for it and loved threw a ball a little bit wide. Bo Melton made a diving play, a ball he should have caught, right? Hit him in both hands and dropped the ball. Now, again, that is, to me, you know, we're going to say, well, that's on Bo Melton. Well, I'm going to say that's on Jordan Love to a certain degree for not throwing a great throw. And yes, I know he was under pressure and so forth, but we saw him under pressure at different times throughout this game uh, as well and being able to make big throws uh, in those situations. At the beginning of the year, before the Packers played uh, the Detroit Lions the first time, we had Jeff Rieger on from the ticket in Detroit, and we had him on the previous last time as well. And Rieger, of course, worked at WSSP and so forth. And I remember talking to Rieger about Jordan Love on our podcast and then on his podcast, The Daily Ticket. Uh, and I told him, the one thing I know for sure is Jordan Love does not suck. You know, he may not be a Hall of Famer or whatever, but he's not going to suck. He's, he's, he's good enough. He's not going to suck. Well, now you look at Jordan Love here at the end of the season with one game to go. He sits at 30 touchdown passes. He sits two off the league of Dak Prescott. Uh, and one behind Brock Purdy for second in the NFL at 31. He literally is sitting in a position right now to be top three in the National Football League at the season's end in touchdown passes. Who saw that one coming at the beginning of the year for Jordan Love? 
And after he had his little turnover-prone streak there in the middle of the season, he's been unbelievable since then. I mean, he has been on a roll. And today you look at it, and there was nothing close to a turnover today, uh, or I should say last night now, uh, in that game against the Vikings. There was nothing close to being a turnover where you're like, ooh, got lucky that guy dropped it, or ooh, got lucky he fumbled it, but he recovered it. None of that stuff. He, he was just balling uh, from the word go pretty much in that football game. And then Jaden Reed, who played so well in the first half, you lose him to injury, that same chest injury that's been bothering him for a majority of the year, it sounds like. Uh, if you listen to Matt LaFleur saying he's been dealing with a lot of pain uh, throughout the season and trying to play through it, he doesn't come back out in the second half. Doesn't matter. Does not matter. Bo Melton gets over 100 yards, who was a practice squad guy, used to be with the Seahawks. Uh, now, again, he gets over 100 yards because of the pass from Clifford in junk time uh, there at the end of the fourth quarter when Melton was wide open. But either way, first receiver over 100 yards uh, in a season uh, for Bo Melton. And that's an accomplishment. Aaron Jones gets to 120 yards back-to-back weeks now against Carolina and now against the Minnesota Vikings, who have a top-10 defense coming into this thing. So that is impressive in itself. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And then if you want to start talking about offensive line play and what this has looked like, and Collinsworth gave him a little lip service here at the end, and I've been as critical as anybody of Rasheed Walker, but again, he played good again today, you know? Myers uh, kind of got bowled over a one time, I want to say, uh, by Danielle Hunter, got blown by a little bit. But other than that, he, for the most part, uh, played well as well. Uh, and this offensive line played pretty good. And Zach Tom, hey, man, I mean, nobody's talking about Zach Tom in the Pro Bowl. But if you look at that pro football focus that they threw up, what he's got the second best pass rate and win percentage uh, at right tackle. That's that's Pro Bowl stuff, right? I mean, Zach Tom may be a, a Pro Bowl right tackle this year. Nobody's talking about Jordan Love being a Pro Bowler either. Why wouldn't Jordan Love be a Pro Bowler at this point? If the Packers beat the Bears and they finish at 9-8, and eight, okay, why isn't he considered at this point uh, a, a chance to be a Pro Bowl-type quarterback? Maybe it's wishful thinking because his completion percentage isn't where, you know, necessarily it needs to be. But obviously, Brock Purdy is going to be in. Obviously, Dak Prescott's going to be in. But Philadelphia has completely self-destructed and fallen apart here down the stretch. You would have to assume that's going to hurt Jalen Hurts' chance of being a pro bowler uh, at the end of the day. Uh, Jared Goff, is he a pro bowler uh, over Jordan Love? I don't I don't know. I mean, I, maybe, I guess, possibly. Uh, but if think about it. If Jordan Love throws... You know, two or three touchdown passes against the Bears. He ends up with 33 touchdowns and, say, 11 interceptions. Or even if he throws one, throws one against Chicago, 33 and 12. I mean, that, those are big, gaudy numbers uh, for a quarterback in his first year as a starting quarterback with all of this, these young players uh, around him. But that offensive line, getting back to what I was saying, you're going to have maybe a pro bowler in Zach Tom at right tackle. Uh, Elton Jenkins is getting better here the last couple of weeks. That's a good sign, uh, too. Uh, and if this offensive line continues to play well, uh, and if they get into the playoffs, 
one way or the other, whether they beat the Bears or whether they get in the back door with a couple of other teams losing. But they get in the playoffs, and this offensive line continues to play well. And let's say it's Dallas uh, that they end up with in the first round, and it's the Cowboys, and it's uh, against McCarthy. It doesn't hold the same uh, emotions, I guess, from the Packer fan base, I don't think, when you don't have Aaron Rodgers as quarterback, and it's Jordan Love. Like this, to me, yeah, you're facing the former Packer head coach, Mike McCarthy, fine. But it doesn't have the same appeal. If it was Rodgers versus McCarthy, that would be a much, much bigger deal at the end of the day than, say, you know, somebody else, uh, you know, like Jordan Love against McCarthy, where there really is no tie-in whatsoever. McCarthy didn't draft Love, done no Love, that have anything I, not anything to do with any of these wide receivers or tight ends or anything of the sort. I mean, there is a big, big, big disconnect. Uh, between what this roster looks like now versus what McCarthy had. So, yeah, it'd be fun to say you're playing the former Packer head coach and Mike McCarthy from a fan standpoint, I guess. But from a player standpoint, there's not a lot there. Uh, and then, you know, if, if and when you do get to the postseason, and I said this uh, on Twitter earlier uh, tonight, which is, look, regardless of what happens against the Bears, it's been so enjoyable watching this Packers offense grow up. Watching Jordan Love take a, the next step to be really good. Uh, and, you know, let, let's say they lose to the Bears. They miss the playoffs. Go 8-9. Don't make the playoffs. It's still going to be a hell of a good year, as far as I'm concerned as a Packer fan. Yeah, the defense, I get it. But offensively, you got everything you wanted and more. I think this offense is playing at a level far higher than anybody thought possible at the beginning of the year. Uh, and exceeded most expectations of what this offense could do. And knowing that these guys are all going to be back next year, this whole core group of guys, you know, again, Aaron Jones, you figure they figure out a deal for Aaron Jones. Who knows about A.J. Dillon? But wide receivers and tight ends, they're all back. Um, and, and then we see what happens from there. Uh, and then the offensive line, if they decide to keep them together uh, and not draft an offensive tackle, which, golly, man, I hope they draft an offensive tackle. But if they don't draft an offensive tackle, um, or if they don't get a guard or two, I didn't think you have to draft some offensive linemen. But if they come back with the same starting five, then okay, then we'll see what happens. Um, you know, they kind of earn their stripes this year and kind of learn how to play together and learn that chemistry. But you have David Bakhtiari looming as well, the all pro left tackle uh, that may or may not be back on this roster. And if he is back on this roster playing at a high level at left tackle, oh my goodness, then that that really sets up things to get uh, really interesting at that point, because then you can talk about moving Zach Tom into guard. If that's something you want to do uh, and letting Rasheed Walker go out and play right tackle uh, and let, uh, you know, Zach Tom play right guard, maybe, or move Zach Tom to center. If you want to move on from Myers, which I don't think they will. Uh, but if you want to place Runyon with Zach Tom at right guard, that's a possibility and go back to having Jenkins and Bakhtiari on the left side. So it, it opens up a lot of possibilities, but either way, at the end of the day, you're super, super excited by what you've seen out of this Packers offense. And it again, it was just, uh, you know, really magnified or again tonight by how much this offense has grown uh, and how they were able to attack the Vikings. And really, there was no stopping them. And against Carolina, there was no stopping this Packers offense. Same type of deal. And it happened again tonight. And I've said it in previous podcasts. If Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones would have been healthy all year, I think this team would have won the division without question would have won the division uh, and been in a much better situation. 
There's no doubt because Bakhtiari being there at left tackle would have provided a huge stabilizing force in that offensive line would have given Jordan Love a peace of mind when Rasheed Walker was a turnstile earlier in the year. And Aaron Jones, who that offense was built around, really would have taken a lot of pressure off of the wide receivers and the quarterback. Now, having said that, I think it's a huge learning experience for those guys to have to play without him, to have to play without Christian Watson for you know many a games this year. And you heard Love talking after the game about somebody asked him, I don't know who it was, but somebody in the press conference asked Jordan Love about you know, not having a Devontae Adams, not having a true one. And, you know, how big of a deal is that? And his point was right on the money, which is it's huge because as a defense, you have to figure out who do you want to key on? And is that going to be the guy that, you know, we're game planning to get the ball to? Because you don't know who's going to have that big game on a given week. Uh, and that allows Jordan Love to spread it out to whoever the open guy is. And you've, you've heard Rodgers talk about, oh, yeah, I would throw it to the open guy. And we all know he didn't always throw it to the open guy. He threw it to his guys, uh, which is fine. It worked for him. He's a Hall of Famer. Nobody's going to argue with it. Uh, but in this situation right now, until a true number one wide receiver, you know, kind of uh, takes the lead here in this race of this wide receiver room, until that happens, uh, then it's going to be very difficult to defend him. Not to mention the tight end room uh, that has really uh, become a thing to watch out for going forward too. We talked about that chat with Chad Ryder too, about, you know, Gonzalez, uh, uh, not Gonzalez, Gronkowski and Hernandez in New England and how Kraft and Musgrave may be that next great double tight end duo that opposing defenses are going to have to deal with. And how are you going to deal with them? And now you give Matt LaFleur an entire offseason to really kind of work on really scripting this offense up, now knowing what he has for players, knowing strengths and weaknesses and so forth, and then you add another draft class, which if they add a, another running back maybe to the mix, or if they add another wide receiver or something along those lines, you add another skill position to go along with what you have. Oh boy, watch out. Uh, and you just can't say enough things. Now, take a quick timeout. We'll come back and we'll talk about this Packers defense and a Packers 33 to 10 victory over the Vikings, beat the Bears, and they're in the playoffs. Uh, or uh, they're in the playoffs if uh, the Lions beat the Vikings and the Cardinals beat the Seahawks. Both of those are noon kicks, so they could know their fate before they even take the field uh, at 325 next Sunday that they may already be in the playoffs prior to that Bears game. So we'll talk more about this Packers defense coming up on the other side. Kurt and Long, download on your Odyssey app or if you download your favorite podcast. And, of course, check us out on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Uh, where we're streaming this bad boy live right now here, New Year's Day morning, 2024, 1 a.m. Yeehaw! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. Hey, it's Steve Sparky, 5 for 12.50 a.m. The Fan. Follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. Ryan Horvat off uh, today. Uh, he'll be back on Wednesday. Talking about the Packers, 33-10 to 10 win over the Vikings here on Kurt and Long. Jordan Love, 256, three touchdowns, a rushing touchdown. Bo Melton, the first wide receiver for the Packers to break 100 yards receiving. Aaron Jones, back-to-back weeks with 120 or more yards rushing the football for the Green Bay Packers as this Packers offense continues to cook. Now, what's been happening is the Vikings defense, or the Packers defense, I should say, has been getting cooked by opposing offenses for several weeks now. Coming into this thing, I was telling people I thought the Vikings might score 40 on this Packers defense when you think about Jefferson and Jordan Addison and the running backs and how well they've been running the football for Minnesota. I just thought it it was going to be a shootout uh, for sure, and it wasn't. Uh, And instead, the Packers, uh, you know, get double-digit quarterback uh, hurries uh, and quarterback hits uh, on the opposing quarterback for the Vikings. And on top of all of that, uh, they get a couple of pass breakups. They get a couple turnovers, uh, get a fumble recovery on on a strip sack type deal, get an interception. I mean, they were creating turnovers and creating consistent pressure on the opposing quarterback. Now, some of this was... Blitzing guys, right? Blitzing Keyshawn Nixon and watching him actually get home. Blitzing Quay Walker and watching him actually get home. It's funny when you get aggressive that sometimes good things happen. Now, for sure, they could have gotten burned. They could have gotten given up big plays, and it could have backfired on Joe Barry. But he was aggressive, and he came after their quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. Now, will that be the same type of uh, plan of attack against Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears? I bet you it's not. I bet you we go back to doing the same thing we've been doing, which is he's going to rush like four guys, maybe five. Everybody else drops back. Keep Justin Fields in front of you. Quay Walker probably as a spy uh, and force Justin Fields to try and find somebody open. Coming into this game, Joe Barry wanted to stop Justin Jefferson. He did. Now, going into this next game, I'm assuming they're going to want to stop DJ Moore and let somebody else or force somebody else to beat them uh, through the air. And it's not going to be DJ Moore. If they play it that way, which I'm assuming they will, we'll see what Justin Fields looks like. My fear is, you know, Justin Fields running all over the place uh, and carving the Packers up by by running more than I'm worried about him throwing the football necessarily. Uh, but I think that's going to be a tough game for the Packers either way because that defense has been playing much better for the Bears under Eberflus, who the report was Eberflus will be back uh, next year. Will that mean Luke Getzey is back as offensive coordinator? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Joe Barry back as Packers defensive coordinator. Even Matt LaFleur, when asked after the game about how well his defense played, said, yeah, this is great. This is how we want to see him play. Uh, But this is still only one game. So pretty much, I think Matt LaFleur probably knows or has been told one or the other. uh, Joe Barry is not coming back after this year. Um, So it is what it is. And we'll see how much further this goes as far as how many more games they have left to play, whether it's one more game or if they get to go play a postseason game or two. But you give credit to Joe Barry. Give credit to this Packers defense. Again, this Packers defense without Devondre Campbell, you get McDuffie hurt. He was dazed and confused, it looked like, uh, with his head uh, injury that he had. Uh, and then he got carted off, never came back. So then he had to go back down to Eric Wilson to play middle linebacker. That puts you, you know, kind of in a bad spot. And you never want to go that deep necessarily in your depth chart. Now, thankfully, he's got a bunch of NFL experience, been in the league for seven years. Uh, so it all worked out. It didn't necessarily kill you. But no Jair Alexander, no Eric Stokes. And guess what? You still win the football game. And not only do you win the football game, you control the football game on the defensive side of the football. 
And leading up to this game, a lot of talk has been about Jair Alexander and his $8 million roster bonus in March. And we talked about this in the middle of last week um, after that whole fiasco with Jair Alexander in Carolina about that roster bonus. And then it started coming up in story since that Curtin Long episode. And it is going to be a decision for the Green Bay Packers. And I'll be honest with you, I will be shocked um, if they decide to part ways with Jair Alexander. I, I just, I think he's back. He's too good not to be back. Uh, he's battled injuries uh, and so forth. I, I just, I think he's back. Stokes, I don't know about Stokes. I would think Stokes uh, is probably gone at this point. And I think you go back to drafting cornerbacks again, like we've talked about, to kind of uh, try and shore up this defense. And I know they've got so many first round picks that they've drafted, Sparky. You're going to tell me we're going to do this again. Yeah, they're going to do it again. The question is going to be is, you know, who the defensive coordinator is going to be and how aggressive they're going to be. And the question is, now with Joe Barry kind of going forward here uh, in this game against the Bears, will he be aggressive as he was against the Vikings? And if they get to the playoffs and let's say they get the Cowboys, will he be as aggressive against Dak Prescott uh, in coming and putting pressure on him as he was in this game against a couple of no-name guys for the Minnesota Vikings? That's the thing, because if you're not going to be aggressive and we're going to drop back and play zone and let them play pitch and catch down the field, the odds are you're going to lose that football game that you decide to go back to that style of play. That's more than likely how this is going to play out. And we'll wait and see what they decide to do. Uh, but a lot of credit to the Packers defense for playing well, getting pressure. Preston Smith again uh, played well and had a big game. He ends up leaving dinged up uh, as well in that game. Hopefully Preston Smith is able to go uh, against the Chicago Bears. But he played well uh, in this game too. I just, you know, how can you not be excited and happy about what you saw from the defense? But there's a part of you, I'm sure, that's saying, oh, please don't let this save Joe Barry's job. Well, I, I, again, I, I think we're far past gone of him saving his job. I think his job is toast. Now it's just a matter of how many more games he gets to coach this team uh, before the season uh, is finally over. Take one more quick time. I'll come back and throw some Jordan Love numbers at you that are a lot of fun that I've come across on social media here uh, in the last few hours prior to uh, recording the Curtin Long podcast uh, early this morning here on New Year's Day 2024. Back after this curtain long, download it on your Odyssey app, wherever you download your favorite podcast app. Check it on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Like, subscribe, ring that bell for your notifications. All that fun stuff. Back after this. Back on Curd and Long, Steve Sparky Fife with you. Follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. Check out the interviews and stuff I do over at 1250 amthefan.com. Packers win 33-10 over the Minnesota Vikings. Jordan Love, 256, three touchdowns, plus a rushing touchdown uh, where he goes leaping up into the air and falls down with the ball barely crossing the goal line before it comes out. And uh, the Packers uh, get the victory. Again, Aaron Jones, back-to-back -back games, over 120 yards rushing. Uh, plus uh, Bo Melton first 100 yard receiving game by a Packer wide receiver also uh, occurred. I told you I wanted to give you some fun Jordan Love stats. Uh, this is from Ryan Wood. Jordan Love through 16 games in his first season as Packers starter. They've been doing these comparisons between him uh, and Aaron Rodgers. Now remember, Rodgers only played 16 games. He won 17 games, right? So uh, 16 games for Aaron Rodgers uh, and Rodgers. Uh, in 2008, 341 and 536, 63.8% completion percentage. Jordan Love, 345 of 547, 63% completion percentage. Yards through the air, 3843 for Jordan Love, 4,038 
for Aaron Rodgers. Touchdowns, 30 for Love, 28 for Rodgers. 13 interceptions for Rodgers, only 11 for Jordan Love. Passer rating, 93.8 for Jordan Love. Passer rating for Aaron Rodgers through the same amount, 16 games, 93.8 identical. So, for the most part, numbers very identical. But as I pointed out before, these numbers are kind of crap to a certain degree because Aaron Rodgers was the guy without the experience, surrounded by a veteran wide receiving core and veterans at running back, a veteran offensive line. He was the X factor, the different guy. Uh, whereas Jordan Love is playing with a bunch of guys that don't know what the heck they're doing and didn't know what the heck they were doing for most of the year, uh, now have all started to come around here towards the end. So to me, what Jordan Love is doing, far more impressive than what Aaron Rodgers did uh, back in the day. Andrew Brandt uh, put this out on social media, the former Packer executive uh, who's been on WSSP over the years numerous times, uh, says uh, Packers 2023, first-year starting quarterback, cheapest wide receiver group in the NFL. Cheapest tight end group in the NFL. 41 million dead cap charge for Aaron Rodgers. For much of the year, no running back one, cornerback one, cornerback two, offensive lineman one, Bakhtiari, wide receiver one, or tight end one. Win at home versus Bears next week and make the playoffs. Not bad for a rebuilding year with a new quarterback. And again, if you would have told yourself, or if you would have told Matt LaFleur, or Brian Gutekunst, or any of those other guys, that this would have been how the year would have played out, with all those guys now playing a majority of the games. And you still being in a position to make the playoffs the last week of the year. I think everybody would have said, absolutely, we'll take it. Like, and be ecstatic and giddy and laughing, like, how the heck did we get in a position to make the playoffs with all those injuries? But it's it's what happened. Something else Ryan Wood uh, tweeted out, that I found uh, interesting uh, was the fact that uh, you had a situation where Jordan Love is running down the tunnel after the game, and who's there? Brian Gutekunst, right? Packers general manager, to give him a big old hug. They laugh, they talk the rest of the way into the locker room. It's a beautiful thing. For all of us, Gutekunst's a bad guy, and he doesn't take care of his vets, blah, blah, blah. That's all I hear, right? Uh, It looks like him and Jordan Love are good. Now, you know, they're going to have to work out a new contract and all that stuff. But it looks like this is this is Goot's guy, and they're going to roll together kind of going forward. Kind of like Rodgers was Ted Thompson's guy. Brett Favre was Ron Wolf's guy. Well, Goot's got his guy. His guy is Jordan Love. And if Jordan Love and the Packers go win one Super Bowl, that's as good as Aaron Rodgers. That's as good as Brett Favre. They each have one ring. Each general manager has one ring all the same. If he wins two Super Bowls, well, then that's a whole nother conversation kind of going uh, forward uh, as we move on here. I I am really, really impressed by what we've seen out of the Green Bay Packers this year. It's just, it's hard not to be. It's hard not to be happy um, and ecstatic by what we've seen out of this Packers football team. And what about Matt LaFleur? I mean, uh, all the stuff he takes and all the crap he gets and has gotten throughout the year. Some of you wanted Matt LaFleur fired at, at points during the year. Nonsense. Um, and now again, do I agree with the whole keeping Joe Barry thing? No. Would I want Matt LaFleur fired because of it? No, not, no, I don't want to fire Matt LaFleur over keeping Joe Barry one way or the other. Because again, as I've said before, if this comes down to it, then Mark Murphy has to step in and he needs to get rid of Joe Barry if Matt LaFleur won't. Because Matt LaFleur is as loyal as they come, as we've talked about in the past. And in fact, going back to that, there was a great story during Sunday Night Football again 
where earlier in the year when Kirk Cousins got knocked out of that game, the Packers lose the game. And Matt LaFleur goes to the visiting locker room to go check on Kirk Cousins after the Packers lost and went to, what, two and five or whatever it was. He still went and checked on Kirk Cousins. Why? Because they had a relationship back when they were together in Washington. That's what I'm talking about. Like, it's a good dude. You may not agree with everything that he does and so forth, but that's a good dude. And he's got a sharp offensive mind and he's doing what he does. And you've given him a bunch of young pieces that are all now kind of working in harmony and are going to get a whole nother offseason together, a whole nother training camp together. And this offense is going to be scary good in 2024. I can promise you this offense is going to be scary, scary good because if they're even remotely healthy compared to what they were this year, there's no reason why they can't put up stupid good numbers. And I, Again, I, I'm talking about top two offense in the National Football League, top three offense in the National Football League. They're going to be that good kind of going forward here. And to the, all the other people that you know didn't think this was possible, well, I'm sorry to break it to you, but it looks like they've got a third really good quarterback. Again, Hall of Fame, I'm not going that far, but really good. And Matt LaFleur really, for the first time in a post-game press conference, got to the point of smiling and getting giddy about just how good Jordan Love is. And even went as far as to say, dude, he's really not even scratching the surface of how good he's going to be or how good he can be. Like, we're at the very beginning here of how good this dude can actually be before this is all said and done. It's the first time where you see Matt LaFleur really open up and express emotions and joy about just how good Jordan Love is. He's kind of kept it all kind of wrapped up and didn't really want to get too excited about it, but he finally did after this game against the Vikings. Gave Tom Clements, the quarterback's coach, a bunch of praise, said he's got a lot of responsibility for how Jordan Love has progressed. Tom Clements still hasn't said if he's coming back, he's going to make that decision after this year. But I would assume Jordan Love is easy to work with and so forth. So hopefully he's able to come back and do this again uh, and, and see what happens kind of going forward. Uh, but it just joy and happiness. It's so nice to do a podcast where everybody is happy and joyful. And now you wait for Packer Bear Week uh, this week. It's not going to be an easy game. It's going to be a tough game. They may lose it. Who knows? But either way, what a great year the Packers have had to this point. And now they may be in a situation, again, where they're in the playoffs before they even kick off against the Bears, right? Because Lions may beat the Vikings. Arizona may beat Seattle. And you already might, might, might be in. And that game might not mean a darn thing uh, at the end of the day. That would be my preference of how this goes, where that game doesn't mean anything uh, that you're already in. But we'll just have to wait and see how it all plays out. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Curd and Long. We'll talk to you next time, everyone. Have a good one. Toodles.